Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the One Step Better podcast. I'm your host, Mike Schaefer, and with me again this week, I think this is like the fifth week in a row, we're setting records here, is the glorious Matt Patrick. Welcome, Matt. I'm ready to go on vacation. <laughs> Five weeks, I'm done. I'm done. I think I did, one, I did one from the beach, so it's a little different. That's, uh, yeah, that is true. So, I, th- I think you're, you're like five or six weeks in a row. Yeah. This is the longest uh, longest stretch you've had probably the A-team, in about The A-team is rolling. Yeah. Or maybe we don't let you come on here every time because you're not part of the A-team. Maybe you got kicked off. Maybe. We'll have to ask. The... I know where the uh, electric switch is. So. <laughs> Pull the plug. That's right. Pull but What plug. podcast? This is the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Signing off for the last That's time. Right. It's now the One Step Better oh, podcast hosted by Matt Patrick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Go for it, man. Yeah, no, <laughs> good. No, thanks, Mike. You're, you're, you're better at this than me. All right. So today we're going to talk about something that I think is uh, really fun. Cash money, homie. Straight money. We're going to talk about cash. We're going to talk about money, cash flow, things that businesses struggle with, things that businesses need to keep up with, things that key leaders in organizations need to be aware owners of. Owners dealing with money for themselves. Owners dealing yeah. with money issues that their employees are going to have because they all do. So, yep. Yep. All those things. This is fun. Money, money, money. Everybody likes to talk about money. We don't have the rights to that song, so please don't throw us up on that. I think one. you abs- I think you you have to play like fifteen more than fifteen seconds or okay, something. Okay, we didn't play it. I sing it, so that doesn't yeah. count. Which is we probably should have played it. Um, so so that's what we're gonna talk about today. We're gonna talk, we're gonna talk about money, money. cash, um, which is gonna be fun. Straight cash, homie. It's gonna be fun. And so in this episode, we're gonna I'm gonna show you guys how to ask your boss for a raise. Uh, we're gonna do some role playing in real life, right? Okay, let's do it. I'm in. <laughs> I want to raise, Mike. Yeah, I want to raise. So, uh, but before we do that, we got to get started with uh, some fun topics. So, the question of the week is: If you could live in any sitcom, which one would it be? So, the first one that came to mind is Gilligan's Island. That sounds kind of fun. Really? Yeah, I like the I idea of that, that. that little island. You know, what you call Lost, another island. You know, no chance. That sounds <laughs> play crash. It sounds awesome. There's the whole smoke monster thing. Um, they don't have restaurants. <laughs> sounds like pretty rough living. I don't know. It depends what you can make on the island, I guess. Gilligan's like they were there for years and years and years. Were they? Yeah, I think that that show lasted. Becky, you'll have to Google this real quick. Uh, that show lasted like I don't know, probably five or six seasons. I would think. Yeah, five years on that, I'm out. Then um, the Harlem Globetrotters did come visit quite often. It seemed like. There's some the Jetsons. The, the That's Jetsons. not a sitcom though, but it's a cartoon. But it's a sitcom. Is it not? I don't. I mean, it's I think one, if, if it's, it's only, on TV, it's, it's a only sitcom. like there's only like 20 episodes ever of the Jetsons too. Did you know that? Really? Yep. I didn't know that either. Maybe even less than that. Even I think maybe only 12. Like it's, it's there's not that many. Yeah. Um, Gilligan's three, Island was only on for three years. I could last three years. I'm in for Gilligan's Island. Three years on an island. Yeah, with those two hot women. Sure, I'm not married. Yeah, Oof. at the time, if, I, if I'm not yeah. married, it goes. <laughs> so edit that out. <laughs> I'm not married today. Not married. I am married today. Yes. Yes. My what about you, man? Like ten. Um, any I mean, the first two that come office. to mind. Office. Which would Mike? I, you're in the office today. I don't know if I would mm-hmm. want to like live in that sitcom, other than being a fly on the wall, because <laughs> ju- it would just be funny. I, you know, the person that I would like to meet um, in the sitcom I'd want to be on right now is Ted Lasso. Oh, yeah, that's good. Because that would just be fun. Good show. If you haven't watched Ted Lasso, great show. You should definitely watch it. It's feel good. Not super kid appropriate, but not 
Uh, it's pretty bad. Not super kid appropriate. Not, yeah, there, yeah, there's some. Uh, Not so family friendly, right? Unless um, you're okay with your kids dropping f bombs. There's all a lot the of place. F, there's a lot of f bombs, uh, but and not like. So that's okay. No. Yeah, they're they're appropriate f bombs, <laughs> I guess, if you could say that. Not that you want your kid to do it, but I do like the theme song for. He's here. He's there. He's everywhere. Yeah. Roy Kent. Roy yeah. Kent. It's great. That's a great show. I love that show. Um, so it would, it would be one of those two things. Remember, we got to think 50 seconds or yeah. we have to pay royalties. Yeah, that's right. Baby Shark. I'm not paying your royalties for Baby Shark. So uh, Roy Kent, Jamie Tark, two main characters on the show, both yep. get paid a lot Lots of money. Lots of cash. Lots of money. So the question is, do they know what to do with their money? No, if they they're... listen to the One Step Better podcast, they're going to learn some tips and tricks yep. to, uh, to manage their cash well. Okay. So before we get started, uh, well... As, as part of getting started, we, so here's here's how this kind of, came, kind of came about. We have a notebook of topics, a variety of topics, kind of all fell under the umbrella of money. And so we're going to talk about debt. We're going to talk about investing. We're going to talk about taxes. We're going to talk about cash flow and budgeting and uh, owner's comp for, for businesses and stuff like that. And also I think this, me and you have a little bit of different philosophies in some of this stuff. We do, yeah. We can argue so about it a little bit. Not argue, but, you know, just like I'm Debate. probably a little more of a risk taker than you. True story. Um, and I also am a natural spender. We both share that. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, that is the difference. Yeah. You, are, you are a little bit more risk risk uh, tolerant yes. than I am. I'm a little bit of a scaredy cat when it comes yeah. to those things. So it, it would so it'd be fun. Should be good. good. Should be conversation. Here's where I want to start it though. Um, we are an accounting firm. We work with small businesses and, and medium-sized businesses, and part of doing that, we are in constant conversations with business leaders and specifically owners of companies. It blows my mind how many times the conversation comes up that is centered around the idea that a business owner has no idea how to pay themselves. How do I actually get paid? How do I actually make money? Yep. What's your experience in consulting with business owners and helping them understand how them as the owners actually get cash at home? It, first of all, you're exactly right. It's probably the number one question we get when a new business owner starts. And I will say this, as a new business owner back in 2004, I was the same way. Had no clue. I really had never figured that out before. I was a W-2 employee my whole life before this job, and I got a paycheck, and that's what I was used to. The, oh, crap, A, I know I have this money that I've made from services now. How do I pay myself that? I had never heard the word draw before other than, like, through a tax return, but I hadn't really ever felt it. Um, also, it also depends on the type of entity you have, right? So there is... Are you a corporation or an S corporation? Are you a partnership? Are you sole proprietor? All those things matter. But what you're trying to figure out is how can you effectively um, pay yourself? Determine A, first, how much you should be paying yourself. Are you putting taxes aside? Are you, um, what are the tax consequences that you personally have, the company has? You know, is it salary and wages? Is it a distribution of profits? Is it all those things matter? So it usually starts with what entity type you have. And from there, there's a number of strategies to get money out of the business. You are you have a couple different ways. Uh, it starts with if you are a corporation or an S corporation, you would pay yourself a salary, but you also can get profits from that business, and you're going to distribute those profits as a uh, distribution of earnings to you, which is not taxable as distribution, but the profits are taxable to you if it's a flow through. We're going to get nerdy here for a little bit. 
the on a partnership level, if you have you and another partner, um, uh, just a couple ways there. Uh, so typically, you would have the profits of the partnership that would be eligible to be you know the each owner would have to pay their respective tax on that. However, let's say one partner gets more money than the other or has different responsibilities, you'd have what's called a guaranteed payment, which is the idea that you're kind of um, tax each partner based on what they really receive, not just a 50-50 split or whatever their ownership equity percentages are. You uh, also have the ability to get cash out like for non-earning. So let's say you own the building that you're in. So maybe you want to take it out as rent expense. And that's another way to get the cash out of the business, um, which is not subject to self-employment tax, but you know wages are. And so what it, what it starts with is, is understanding your entity type, understanding how you can properly get cash out of your business based on your entity type as tax effectively as possible. You always have to think through the idea of both Social Security um, and Medicare tax, so the self-employment tax or payroll taxes. You know, what are the rules related to compensation of an owner? So an owner or a partner cannot be an employee of a partnership. You have to be only a partner and you're not allowed to be a wage earner with a wage. and so knowing that entity type is usually your first hurdle to jump over. I think there's a, a couple of things that, that, that you said that, that kind of... I rambled on for no, that, five that's, minutes. I think that's super helpful. The, the reality is, as the owner of a business, you can just simply write yourself a check. However, how that, che- how that check is categorized, how it's kept up with, how it's accounted for matters greatly. And there are certain things that you can categorize that check as, and there are certain things you cannot categorize that check as based Correct. on how you're structured and a lot of other items. Yep. The other thing I think that's super important that you pointed out is because I, I know for a lot of business owners, their mind may immediately go to, you know, how much tax do I have to pay? And our first response is always thinking of federal income tax or state income tax. Yep. And we don't always think about self-employment tax. Correct. That's also Yeah, every state is different on how they treat certain things, too. So we're in Tennessee, so it, it we're not an S-Corp favorable state. So uh, we typically um, don't follow a lot of the same other rules that other states have with the idea that you would have a a managed reasonable compensation number, which you're taxed on, and then your profits would be taxable outside of that. So it's super important for you to think through how you're getting money out, but also knowing what is going to go into the tax consequences of that. So an S-Corp in Tennessee is taxable, but an LLC with the same income is not. So just knowing all those different things, it's important that you work with your tax advisor and figure that out. Yeah, no doubt. You know, another common question we get more on the new business side is I did start a company. We're starting to generate some money. And if I look at my bank account at the end of the week or the end of the month, there's still a couple extra dollars there. At what point do I start to really think about bringing money home, bringing it out of the business or, you know, compensating myself for my time? What does that look like? It depends on your entity type. So start (laughs) with that. Let's just assume either I'm a sole proprietor or or a partnership at this point. Imagine both those pockets are yours. Your left pocket is your business pocket and your right pocket is your personal pocket. You're gonna pay tax on both of your pockets. It doesn't matter which pocket they're in. So moving the money from one pocket to the other doesn't cost you anything. Yeah, that's not what's causing the taxable event. Correct, you've already gonna have tax based on the profit that the business has incurred, regardless if you take a dollar or, or all the money, it doesn't matter. So both pockets are yours. 
move the, I would say in our world, move the money from the business pocket to your personal pocket for personal purposes and then pay your personal expenses out of your personal pocket. Which just helps keep up with everything. It's Correct. a little bit clean, yep. cleaner. Yep. Um, so as you're doing that and you're bringing home money, um, it's always important to set some dollars aside. Uh, we always suggest in a separate account altogether that's not Correct. super easy to ex uh, access for taxes. That way when you know you have estimated payments the due on a quarterly surprise. basis. Yep. First year is generally the biggest surprise most new business owners have. They've never had to manage their own tax liability. The employer they worked for before usually did that. They don't realize there's a Social Security and Medicare piece to this of this bill they're going to get at tax time. There's not a there's no withholding they've made, so they're going to end up owing a larger chunk than normal. The idea of a tax refund, it's gone, right? We didn't. There's nothing to be refunded. We have not paid anything in. Yeah. So I'm having to owe money at tax time. I generally have not had an estimated repayment requirement until this year, uh, so I have not made any estimates. So I have, and I maybe didn't put my money aside for taxes, and so I got my first surprise tax bill. And that's never fun. It sucks. <laughs> Everybody hates it. So generally, if you're owning a business, you should be, if you're going to have a you know taxable income at the end of the year, you should be making quarterly payments throughout the year to help manage that from a cash flow perspective. Correct. So I always say the first thing I do is I say, set up a savings account that's accessible, but not as easily accessible as you would want it, like in the same bank. So like... I use um, an online bank that I, I use Capital One for mine, but um, I do a weekly drip of a percentage of my top line revenue. This is my profit first philosophy here. Mm -hmm. And so generally our, you know, the tar target uh, rate that I would tell people is, you know, if you're putting 15% of gross revenue into your tax account as your jumping off point, you're in good shape from a tax table. You're going to be overwithheld. You're going to have over, too much money in that account, and that's a good thing. Yeah. Because you're saving for the rainy day. It's a savings account. But also, so you're paying yourself first, then you're paying your taxes, and now you don't have to worry about that unknown. But it also is getting you in the habit of spending less than what you have available so that you don't overspend and get yourself in a hole. It's a big transition to, if, especially if you're coming from a W-2 employee perspective, mm -hmm. where realistically or at least theoretically 100 percent of all of my tax liabilities is taken out before i even see a penny and so at, at year end i'm just filing a return and, and truing up where when you're running your own deal and you're no longer an employee it's your responsibility to manage that mm -hmm. and if you have employees it's your responsibility to manage that for your employees too to some degree and and so getting that right is super important because if you don't, you're gonna. It's have super expensive. A very yeah, it's gonna be a very expensive lesson. I always kind of use two rules of thumb. If we're earning less than a hundred grand, you know, you can as assume you're gonna pay about twenty five percent of your income to taxes, income. So if I did a hundred thousand dollars net profit, I'm gonna be somewhere ballpark twenty five thousand dollars in tax due that year. So um, th that's. A, you know, pretty good chunk of money. If I over a hundred thousand dollars, I would actually assume closer to thirty percent because you'll start figuring you're going to max out your Social Security. You've got some other, you know, your net investment tax. You have some other things that are going to pop up. Plus, you have to think about state and local too. So we're a state that we don't have income tax, but other states have that. So you should figure, you know, thirty percent is a probably good rule of thumb on your net profit. So hundred grand of profit, thirty grand in tax. Uh, using my other number though, fifteen percent. Let's so. There's a the difference between net profit and gross profit strictly is yeah. the difference between the idea we're only putting 15% of gross 
aside and it's usually enough and you're going to be overwithheld at that level absolutely and so as you're as you're moving that money from the left pocket to the right pocket worrying about personal budgeting uh, not just if you're a business owner but really anybody that's receiving cash that has money in the bank or that's getting some type of steady income it's always important to at least what what i believe is that it's always important to put that on some <laughs> type of budget so that you know where your money is going before you actually start spending it um matt i think you would agree with this but the the reality is if we don't have a plan with our money it's very easy just to blow it on who knows what you know that that thing that popped up this month that i wanted is the shiny object syndrome and there's money in the bank, therefore I can buy it, is different than should I be buying it? Is, do I, did I plan to buy this? It helps curb the childish nature in all of us to just go spend money. I agree. Uh, so this is definitely a philosophy similar, um, that we don't have a difference. in having a plan for your money is super important. Having a budget is super important. We, as a business here, have a budget that we have a, we have a, we set a budget for the year. And then I have a revised budget that happens throughout the course of the year. I also have sub-budgets for certain groups in software and things we're doing. We may have an event budget. We may have a, a team budget. Um, we definitely want to understand where our money is going at all times. You also have that, am I in the norms of where I want to be? So I'm a big believer in working from the bottom up, not from the top down. So this is, again, my profit first philosophy, which is, I want to make sure that I'm making what I need to make. So I need to know what I'm anticipating to make, how much I want to pay myself, what I need to pay for taxes, what my expenses already are. That tells me what my top line has to get to in order to hit our goals. If not, I have to start cart cutting other expenses. And I'm going to cut, cut from those operating expenses first. Yeah. Before, I'm not going to cut my paycheck. I'm not going to cut my tax paycheck. I have to cut operating expenses until I can get my revenue where I want it to be. Yeah. And as you're, as you're doing that budget, I always think about it from the standpoint of, you know, in my sane self, let's say at the beginning of the month is when, when we do it. <laughs> Meredith and I'll sit down and we'll, you know, when when we're not distracted by kids, we're not distracted by, you know, Amazon is, you know, scrolling through and figuring out what we want to buy. In our sane self, we're saying, all right, I expect to make this much money is going to be brought home this month. What is the best plan of action for where we want to be long term with this particular month's income? That helps us avoid just getting off track with, you know what, let's just go to Italy this week. Yes, <laughs> and, do it. Yeah, I mean, that's oh. a great idea, <laughs> but that wasn't in the budget. And so it's not, I don't feel like budgets are restrictive. I think that they are freedom giving because in the- It's in, a plan. It's a plan, yeah. yeah. And so now I have framework with, with which to operate, whereas before it's just- And really in theory, normal. let's say you do want to go to Italy. The plan is, hey, we're going to put money aside for a vacation in June. We don't even know we're going yet, but in June, we're going to go on yeah. vacation. I'm going to put money aside for a vacation plan. Absolutely. Now, you're a lot different than me in that you have two checks a month that you know you're going to get, mm -hmm. right? And I'm not that. You know, in the very beginning, I think back to when I first started my practice, I was a uh, budgeted W-2 employee, had a budget at home, had bills I knew I had to pay. I had everything I needed to know. But as I went self-employed, what I made became very um, dependent upon how we were doing as a practice. Week to week could be very different. Correct. I mean, I, I, in the very beginning, I remember chasing, you know, I had to go chase receivables down. Like, we had to go hunt, like, hey, you, you're supposed to pay me two weeks Mortgage is due next week. No, it wasn't my mortgage. It was, <laughs> we have payroll due, and so I need to make payroll, and I need to make sure that we have the money to make payroll. This is a very typical small business owner um, mindset. And so, crap, I have to make payroll. I've got to go get collect my receivables so I can make payroll. That was a rude awakening for me as far as not having a 
consistency and paycheck. And that's a very common issue we run into on a small business owner standpoint. It's not abnormal, but a budget still helps you get there. So it's, I need to save for the rainy day. So that's where profit first comes into mm-hmm. my world. It's okay, I've set up a, bu- and I use profit first as my budget system. It's okay, I need to make this. This is my cash. I'm putting, you know, my profit, my personal pay is first. I pay myself a, a reasonable number to live on. I have a profit account, which I put in basically the savings account every quarter. I take half of that and I use that to pay off debt or I use half of that and that's my extra money to put in my pocket. But it's basically creating reserves in a system to manage money. Business owners need to have a plan for what they're going to do because they don't know when they're going to have a bad month or a pandemic's going to happen. Or, you know, luckily we had a nice savings account when we started this whole process during the pandemic. But, you know, I, I was on, I'm not like every business, and every business is a lot like me, unfortunately. And so we had like clients that were scrambling to pay their bills. And exactly. yeah. And so having, having that mindset of I have a plan for my money is where it starts. Yeah. And there's a variety of plans out there. You can Correct. do a lot of different things. But I think, the, the pl- like, to your point, the plan part is what's important. Correct. That way you're not struggling to just, I'm going to figure it out as I go. But one of those plans that a lot of people ha- are a part of the plan that a lot of people have with their money, and this is where we can really start to go at each other, is uh, paying off debt. Right. Um, so the use of debt in business, uh, yep. this is where we're different. And, and we've I mean, this isn't anything new to, to either one of us. We know Correct. this about each other. Correct. Um, but, you know, the use of debt in business, the use of debt in personal life. How quickly should I pay that off? What does that look like? There's a math side. There's a risk side, an emotional side. Um, you are very much I want to use. I want to have good all debt. the resources that I can have. To, I'm okay with good to make debt. good decisions. I'm, I'm okay with good. What I say is good debt. Yeah. Debt used to buy what I think are appreciating assets, uh, and, I'm okay with that answer. Yeah, in your in your world, you're using debt from a, a more, I'll say mathematical perspective. You know, if I can go borrow a hundred grand at 3% and, and use it to generate 10% return, that's good math. Yep. I look at debt from that perspective, but also from a, you know, where I'm a little bit more conservative is the, I don't want the emotional baggage that comes with knowing I owe somebody something. Which and is so, totally fair. Right. And so the, it's the, you know, if I, ha, if I owe Becky $100,000 and I lose my job, oh, snap, I now owe Becky $100,000 and I have no income. You know, because I think we would both agree that for 99% of Americans, the, uh, your income is your largest wealth building tool. Um, you know, unless you have a trillion dollars sitting in some trust fund somewhere, it's your income, your ability to make money. And when when I I don't have any debt right now, um, but when I did, I always felt like, man, there's I can and you can point to it. There's 15 percent of my paycheck or whatever it was that I don't even get to see because it's going to pay somebody else. And that was emotionally not fun for me, which is kind see, of what and I look at that as I took 15 percent of my money and invested it in something else to generate me other money. Yeah. So I'm okay with that investment, the cost of the investment. Yeah, and I like the math. I don't like the risk. That's and fair. That's that's yeah. that's where. Which all is that why, probably why you're not a business owner today. It yes. Yeah, There's I mean, zero, risk, yeah, yeah, zero doubt. So like with this, um, we've you know as we've as my business has grown, I've struggled with the, do you pay off house if you have the ability to? Do you pay accelerated on your house or do you use that money and do it? And I've I went round and round this on my own. Of does it make sense to pay down my house note, or does it make sense to use that money into the market? Does it make sense to, like so? 
my bigger goal with my management of my money is the idea that I want to create multiple income streams. I don't want to be dependent on any one thing being my primary driver of revenue or of my income, but also like in this world in, in, in my business, you know, this, I'm probably super, I'm not very diversified in that all my income is generally tied up in this business. And so when I have other income I want to do, I want to either invest in this asset as much as possible, which is what I do, or I want to have stuff that will take me into, I feel like I'm, if I'm borrowing money, it has to be good good borrowing or I'm buying it like a rental property or whatever it may be. Yeah. And we're, we're like, because I don't, you're not in love with debt. I don't want to try to. I love it. Paint it's that great. picture. Because no. like, you're, you're smart enough to know. Like you're not. If I don't have a credit card debt. If you make $100,000 a year, you're not going to go buy a $200,000 car. Correct. Like, that would be silly. Correct. Um, and so but I don't have like, I don't have credit card debt. We pay off our, our credit cards every month. Yeah. But I do have rental properties that I have debt on. I have um, my, my primary mortgage. I have a mortgage on my current house. And, it, and there's times when I think ah, it'd be nice not to have a house note. But right now, money is cheap. You know, I have, I mean, like, my interest rate's under three. So it's like, well. Go, go get one of those PPP <laughs> loans. And yeah. Take that. I away. mean, that's hard for me to want to, you know. Anyway, yeah. So so, so we, we've paid off all of our debt, right? And yeah. We, we've worked our budget to where we've paid off all of our debt. And we're, we're holding Matt back from going to the bank and getting Woo! more. <laughs> more debt. More debt. And so the next, kind of that next thing, that maybe that next hurdle, that next uh, step up is then to start thinking about how we're going to invest some of those funds, uh, whether that's excess profits or you know personal savings, whatever that yep. looks like. What's your what's your overall opinion on investing? Multiple ways of income for retirement. So um, I would like you know in our world I have a primary asset that I one day may either sell or you know right off into the sunset with is our firm. I have. Um, I believe in the market right now being um, pretty stable investment, so I have money in the market. And then through both tax-deferred vehicles, so my retirement, um, and I also have real estate. So I think it's, it's the real estate market today is booming, um, but also I have income-producing properties. I'm not just holding them to flip them. I'm holding them with the idea that they're going to cash flow for me. Yeah. I the. The idea of having some rental properties is very intriguing to me. It's another. It's another investment vehicle. Yeah, my my uh, uh, pay for cash. Diversity <laughs> to risk or to, to debt kind of keeps me from going that route right now. Um, but I, I find that part interesting. All of my all of my retirement is it, all of my investing is really done through retirement Roth. Uh, you have a Roth 401k. I have a Roth 401k, and we have. First of all, Roth we are not items. investment advisors, so no. remember that we are just lonely accountants. Yeah. But yeah. you have a Roth 401k. Mm -hmm. You and Roth IRAs. You have a Roth IRA that, for the that you've been using backdoor to get into. Um, and that's it. I'm like I'm very vanilla, very bland. And so right now, backdoor is still alive, right? Mm -hmm. So yep. So I should it, be doing that myself. And that's just probably. simply for once your income hits certain thresholds, you can't contribute directly into uh, uh, Roth IRAs, but you can, can you can open a traditional IRA and then do a conversion to a Roth IRA. And same effect. It's uh, kind of, I'll say, kind of a, a loophole in the tax law. Um, same effect, but it, uh, um, it it helps you because Roth is you paying the taxes now. Six thousand a year. You pay zero taxes into the back door on the growth. Yeah, six thousand a year per person. So per taxpayer. Yeah. Uh, and so we have all those kids, man. Kids go into five twenty. <laughs> I'm, I'm not starting their retirement earlier. Come on, man. College. 
Uh, and so th that's that's I'm mean, I'm not doing Bitcoin. I'm not you know out there. I, I do own some Bitcoin too. Yeah, you're but, gonna lose your password. <laughs> that's no, I don't own the. I mean, I just have a. I have a brokerage account that has Bitcoin in it, yeah. so I have I use Coinbase. But um, you're gonna lose the password. And I'm anyway. finally in the black. I, I bought it at like the all time high, <laughs> and then it went way down. And but I am back. It is back up the last couple of days. I remember. I don't this. know this is live, but I've. So we were praying. sitting outside on a balcony yeah, at my house. down at the beach. Yep. And thanks, Carl. Carl, <laughs> I couldn't get the authentication to work yep. that night. It was I may have had <laughs> you too much. You should do this. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Opens up the account. <laughs> Dang it, it's not going through. <laughs> I, I couldn't get the money to go through. It took me two weeks to get it figured out. And by the time that happened, that I lost two weeks of run. Yeah. And I bought it at the all-time high. <laughs> all high. I think yesterday it was like around 50K. Yeah. It, it's yeah. doing well again. Yeah. That's it's, a roller it's a, coaster. Uh, I'm, yeah. I, I honestly, I, I didn't put enough money uh, into matter. It's it's like I'm gambling. That's not investing. It's just a toy. I'm like, I own Bitcoin. I don't know what to do with it, but I own some. Yeah. Yeah. So Prime, I mean, I, primary investing is in retirement funds. In your case, you have this asset. That I have this firm. asset. I have a nice, it's I have retirement place. funds, and then I have uh, the real estate. Yeah. And I don't, that's not super crazy. I no. I, I'm, I'm, uh, overall, my spending issues are typically that I, ha so my own management of cash is that I have to force savings. So I've done yeah. a good job of setting up repetitive saving drips in multiple areas to allow me to whatever's in my check account we can spend. So the money is never there, I don't see it, it's gone. And we do a good job of saving now because of that. Mandy is a saver by nature, Mandy is not a spender. We don't save a single cent from month to month. I have six months of my expenses sitting in a savings account and I don't save any dollars from month to month. It's all retirement. Really? Yep. I don't put any money so what in about, savings. What do you do above and beyond your savings? I'll have like a, like a sinking fund where, hey, you know what? In two this. years, I want to buy a yeah. car. Gotcha. So I'm going to save up for that. But right currently, as of like right now, we don't have, there's nothing. So I, we do our, we, we put all the things we allowed to do into retirement. Yeah. And then I have savings above and beyond that I put to a brokerage account. And then I have um, our, my tax savings are dripped. I am a drip saving person, so I, I, I save up every week, and then I make a tax payment every quarter. Because I just I, I'm not a good saver, so if I don't yeah. make the if I, if I had to cut a big check every quarter, I don't like doing that. But if I did it every week, it's okay. I like spending money too much to save money, right? And so what what we I would did, recommend getting some easy drips, Mike. There's a lot of <laughs> online tools you can use. So what we did it. is all right. What's the number that we would feel comfortable with from a savings perspective? Let's hit that number, and then we don't have to worry about it again. And so that was that was kind of the approach that we took. Um, not everybody can do that. I'll, I'll give you a couple of names. You can people. You can uh, set up some easy easy drips. It's not so a, it, that part's easy. Our, our buddies over there at uh, at uh, Duncan Williams yeah. got me set up on a nice uh, drip. I do a drip there with them, and then I've got my tax savings drip, and then I've got. Uh, um, that's really all I'm doing. Yeah. Investing money is uh, it's scary. It's good. I want to get into real quick. So we've talked about our issues, and so this is something I think that owners, business owners, need to realize. Your employees have money issues. Mm -hmm. They do have money issues. It needs to be okay to talk about it. Um, they all want to make more money. We all do. They all have baggage they brought with them to the table when you hired them related to money. Not everybody's family handles money the same way. Nobody has the same. Mike and I are sitting here with different philosophies. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean it's wrong. It just means we're different philosophies. Now, if 
if you have employees that are living paycheck to paycheck, which a lot of our, our employees do, um, it's something to make sure they understand why they're in that position, how they can get out of that position, how they can set up a system at any income level to get there. Now, some people bring all kinds of stuff with them. So there may be a bunch of credit card debt or there may be a bunch of other debt or past problems. But I would recommend you having some financial literacy conversations with your team and supporting them in their financial endeavors. It's, it's important. I love the fact that when I come in that our team has, you know, I start looking at the people that work for us. We've had people buy houses since they worked for us. I've had people buy vehicles. There's nothing I want more than my team to all be financially secure and stable one day as they continue to grow down their careers. I want every person, every client, I want them to come in with financial goals. We want to help them reach those goals. That's our passion. I think it's important for you as owners to realize that that stress that money causes impacts their the ability to be to perform their day-to-day job. Very much so. Uh, and it's something you should be aware of. And it's not something you, you, you need to make sure that it's something as an owner, you're being a steward of your company, but also being a a helper for your team to get to where they, their financial goals are important too. I think of that just being a good leader. Mm-hmm. There's some compassion and empathy that comes with that. Um, I, I love that our team, for the most part, feels very comfortable talking about money, whether that's their own salary or path to, to make more or whatever it may be. Now, you can be, if you're out there listening, you may, well, you're an accounting firm, of course, your people are more, and that's true, but- It is true, but it's not true. It's, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's one thing to talk about your money, Mr. Klein. It's another to talk about my money. Correct. And and so it, our people do, they generally feel comfortable. You know, I would say, I got an email um, just today from a client who, has employees that are paycheck to paycheck. It's uh, um, all, all, I'll say, lower income earners. And the email was simply, hey, I have an employee who's going through some domestic issues right now. They cannot have their paycheck at their bank account. I need, We need to figure it out. Like they, there, there's, I, and I could be reading into this, but the employee. It could be where the spouse is stealing money. It could be correct. where they have a gambling problem. It could be where they have a drug problem and the money hits the bank account is going to be gone. That stuff happens. The the part that I, you know, I, I may be reading into a little bit, though, is that the employee felt comfortable enough with that HR department to say, hey, I need some help. Can you help me with this? This is what, you know, going on. They felt inclined not just to shut that down, but say, let me see what I can do to make it happen. They emailed us and we could fix that for them. And that stuff matters, I think, greatly yeah. to to, the, to your employees, especially in a labor market where any advantage you can find is going to be we, a big deal. We have one of our restaurant matter. clients come to us, and they, right now they have a huge – everybody does, right? Everybody's having a huge hiring problem, and they're paying biweekly. And their issue is that, hey, when somebody new starts with us, we have a week lag, and we have a two-week payroll cycle. So it's three weeks before they get their first check. That is a deal breaker for us, for people who are struggling with check to check. We need to figure out a way to fix that problem. Yeah. And there's a lot of you know, thoughts there, um, but you shouldn't let, you, you should be having the empathy. I understand that. I, I've, Absolutely. I've changed jobs. I get it. You know, when, when somebody starts with us, if they start the first of the month with us, their first check with us is the 22nd of the month. Mm-hmm. Well, if they haven't gotten a check in a month and now it's three more weeks where they got a check, there's stress in their house because of that. There's bills that have to get paid. All that stuff matters. And they bring all that stuff to work and it it's weighing on them every day and it doesn't need to. Yeah. Absolutely. And just the little bit of empathy that you can show in that goes a long way. Yeah. Not only I, I care, I listen, I want to know what's going on. It, it does. It makes a, it makes a big deal. 
uh, don't be afraid to talk about financial literacy and the likes with your employees because mm-hmm. it does it makes a difference well matt that was a lot of rambling about all things cash so now give me a raise okay <laughs> that was easy all right so thank you guys for listening to us uh, make get, sh- i have to pay minimum wage mike so we're going up to there right. i'll figure there give me my 725 an hour baby that's right <sighs> when's tennessee gonna make it nine Who when knows? they when they make it nine that's when you get your raise yeah, mike. yeah. i'm gonna okay. start writing my congress yeah, that's right that's right um thank you guys for listening to us really enjoy uh that you give us your attention for i don't know 45 or so minutes a week it really does mean a lot if there's anything we can do to help you feel free to reach out to us at one step better at patrickaccounting.com leave us a comment um however you you know you can reach out to us we would be more than willing to sit down and talk if you have some employees going through financial issues if you are a business owner or a key leader is going through some financial issues and you just need some help or somebody to you know bend an ear we would be glad to do that let us know how we can help that is it thanks everybody have a lovely afternoon talk to you next time 